At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Here at Just Baseball, we have teamed up with BetMGM for the 2023 MLB season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use code JustBaseball, and you will get up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Step number one, download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code JustBaseball. Step number two, deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. Step number three, you will receive up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your bet loses. Just make sure you use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL when you sign up. Disclaimer, 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in Washington, D.C., Mississippi, Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, Washington, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. Call 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. Call 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and get your $1,000 first bet offer today. Still recovering from that Christopher Morrell walk-off nuke and the celebration that followed. What did he say? What was the exact quote? I I made a home run, Cubs win. Yes, yeah, I, I made so. home run. I made home run, Cubs win, which is <laughs> that's got to be on a T-shirt. I know I, they're going to do that too. Uh, who, who is it that doesn't? It's uh, obvious uh, shirts. Obvious shirts. You know they're all over the hat. I made home run, Cubs win, Friday, August 18th, Just Baseball Show, Jack, Peter, and Aram, all three of us to talk about kind of the unsung heroes of a lot of teams that are winning a lot of ball games right now and are um, in the midst of division chases and wild card chases, the guys that may not statistically jump off the page, and this is different than underrated. It's guys that just influence winning uh, in a unique way that isn't necessarily 
with a 900 OPS. We're also going to do games of the weekend uh, at the tail end of the episode. We got to start with Christopher Morrell and a quick note on the Dodgers. But before all that, just baseball show, as always, brought to us by Mr. Apple. Bet MGM, the king of sports books. Sign up and deposit into your newly created account using promo code Just Baseball. Download the Bet MGM Sports app on iOS or Android or visit betmgm.com. Place your first bet offer and receive up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if it loses. If the bet does lose, your bonus bets will be available once the wager is settled. So a tweet came out that shows how incredible the Dodgers development is. Um, it's from at K-I-K-E-A-M-A-Y-A-D-O-R-I. I don't even <laughs> want to try to They had us in the first it. half there. <laughs> that was, yeah. That was, that was, I was worried where, where that was going to go. A little nervous. Kike <laughs> Amayadori is a really good Twitter account. And the Dodgers, right, when Noah Syndergaard went over to the Dodgers, I think I just instinctively believed that they could turn him around. And they couldn't but they've basically done it to everybody else. You look at J.D. Martinez, 16 home runs to 25 home runs with the Dodgers. Jason Hayward goes from a 555 OPS with the Cubs to an 808 OPS with the Dodgers. David Peralta, same thing, 100-point jump in OPS. Kike Hernandez, since he's come over, he's got an 800 OPS. Ahmed Rosario has as many home runs with the Dodgers in 51 plate appearances as he does in 385. With the Guardians, Lance Lynn, we talked about it. Two ERA, six four seven. Ryan Brazier went from a seven three nine ERA to a one one six ERA in the bullpen. Joe Kelly hasn't a lot of run, and Ryan Yarborough went from a four two four ERA to a one seven four ERA. So I want to do something here. I, I want you to walk through those guys again. Give us the name, and I want Aram's thought why that guy is better with the Dodgers and the overarching Dodger claim, I think we'll get to after this, but I want to go through individual by individual, because I think it's, it's pretty clear that like they needed one thing to change and it's changed. So start from the top and give us those. Yeah. We'll go with JD Martinez, right? 16 home runs with the Boston Red Sox. Didn't feel like he was fully healthy all year. Then goes over to the Dodgers on really a prove it deal. And has been one of the best DHs in Major League Baseball. Now with 25 home runs in 200 less at-bats this than is, with the Red Sox. This is the one, uh, I think the one exception of all of these guys that I, as you said, I think it's 100% health. Because yeah. I think this was the Dodgers. They also helped turn guys around, but they also identified guys that may be undervalued uh, because of whatever reason. And I think JD was that you'll get the exit velocities. Like his 90th percentile was one Oh five last year, which is down from what he's normally used to. And his whiff rates were up. Like his back was just not right. Now it's up to one Oh seven. He's swinging the bat a little bit better overall. He's swinging it harder. Like I, I just think he's healthy. I really think that's a big thing for JD. Yeah. Jason Hayward. That one I bought in immediately. Cause yeah. I, I saw the swing change. I treated to Jason Hayward, like a prospect. The swing before versus the swing where he got to in terms of just getting off of that front foot, being able to hold the back hip longer, just a much better swing path. He used to be one of the pushiest swings ever, which where your hands are like getting ahead of the barrel. He totally overhauled that. That was 100% just being surrounded by future Hall of Famers and working on the swing. That we bought in on, I think, like for one of the first episodes of the season. I'm like, Jason Hayward's got it. It was before the season. And he's not 40. He's 34 years That's old. And this guy has an excellent physique for a 34-year-old. This guy, oh, yeah. he's carved, man. So, like, 
it wasn't his body broke down in Chicago. There was no. a tangible swing change that was made. The thing is, though, it's crazy about Jason Hayward is that even in his prime, like in the prime years, that's why people thought the Jason Hayward contract wasn't that good, right? It's not that he tailed off just last year. I mean, this guy has not been good with the Cubs for like three or four straight years and then has an OPS over 800 with the Dodgers. Yeah, but that's how what much I of think that makes it more amazing. How much of that at the end was mental, though? Like, oh, I've stopped here. Had to be. They also they also are fully like he just doesn't see a lefty. Which is great. He's a platoon bat, a really yeah. good one. And like I think he has 18 plate appearances against lefties this year. <laughs> like he's just just face righties, hit righties hard, and he's doing that. And Arm, tell me if you disagree with David Peralta. Like he hasn't taken this huge step up, but I think it's sort of similar to JD Martinez. I don't think he was fully healthy, and I think it was more of a value buy for the Dodgers. Yeah, that that was another one where he's kind of banged up guy, I think just getting right. And also, like when it's David Peralta, like was never terrible. It was just kind of like, eh. That yeah. could be something, just like adjusting your sights, approach adjustments, things like that. Where again, you get with a team that just is. T- and the D backs are in a good spot, but you know, it's it's just not the same. I'm talking about a veteran here that's like been one of the most consistent players in Major League Baseball for the last decade. Uh, just little adjustments to your approach can be all the difference when you're 36. And with Kike Hernandez. Posting a 599 OPS with the Red Sox and the worst defender at shortstop in Major League Baseball going over 805 OPS. I think, Jack, maybe you agree with this too. I think this was a culture thing. Yeah, I, I think, think he's just happy to be trying, Instead of trying to play a bunch of different positions and not feeling quite settled in, he just goes back to the Dodgers and they're like, yeah, just be Kike. And dude, now he's yeah. back to an 800 OPS. He's dancing in the dugout, dude. Did you see how excited he was to be back in LA? Like, it's easier to play baseball when you're happy. And yeah. I'm not saying that he was miserable in Boston, but like he's happier in LA. That's very clear. Also, I think he's the happiest possible. Like it's a hundred percentile happiness on baseball. Yeah. <laughs> and it's also easier to hit the baseball consistently when you're not booting balls at shortstop and then going into the box. Like, I don't care who you are. Uh, you're, you're impacted by that, right? Like when you're, when your offense is stifled at shortstop, there's almost like a level of like anxiety that you have every time you're out there. It's going to carry into the box. They haven't played him at shortstop like at all. He's played third. He's played center like once. He's played left. Like he's been in much more comfortable situations. And and the thing is, like there was no fallback option. There's always a fallback option. And obviously, like players don't want the, them to be kind of kicked to the curb for Plan B. But like, there's got to be some security in having Plan B. What was Plan B for the for the Red Sox at shortstop? It was Dahlbeck and Yu Al- Chang, Alberto Mondesi. Yeah, who got shut down again? Yeah, who's, so who's less the, real, Mondesi or Sixto Sanchez? Oh, I, I think Mondesi. I think Mondesi is less real because Sixto, we get the like bullpen video where he's throwing it like at twenty percent. Yeah, and like okay, he's alive. Mondesi, I've not seen a photo of. I, I he might not even exist anymore. I have no idea. But I just heard a report was, that they shut him down, <laughs> and he's going to be a free agent. So, I mean, and it's not like Josh Taylor has been very good, but th- he's been horrible, actually. But the Red Sox traded for a guy who did not play a single game for them and then hit free agency, which is very interesting. And then next up on the list, we have Ahmed Rosario, which I got. Yeah, I got nothing there. <laughs> That's I, mean, I just don't I don't understand. I, I mean, I guess I kind of do like he's not relied upon to play shortstop every day, kind of similar to Kike, right? Because. Ahmed Rosario was the worst defender, right? He was right up there with Kike Hernandez at shortstop. 
And then I guess it's just like a breath of fresh air getting out of Cleveland. I don't know anything yeah. about that one. Cleveland I mean, just being, yeah, just being in a terrible lineup um, that, you know, again, you're playing everyday shortstop and you're in a terrible lineup. And now it's like you're just one cog in a very good lineup where your responsibilities are like way more, I, I think, manageable. Mm-hmm. I, I 100% think Rosario is just like, I can, I can do this. I can thrive in this role. He went from like, you know, guy that was being forced to be a starter on a, on a team to like basically the being the sixth man. Like that's a lot more fun being the sixth man. Then Lance Lynn. I, he was in a bad clubhouse and he went to a good clubhouse. Yeah, it's He just bought in. That. That's just an old dude that bought in. Yes. I same with him. Joe Kelly. We can skip Kelly too. He, same thing. Bad clubhouse to good clubhouse. Ryan Brazier. It's um, seven, two, nine ERA to a one, one, six ERA. He started throwing a cutter a lot more with the Los Angeles Dodgers. He's up this cutter usage, and ever since then, he has been one of the best relievers in baseball since he moved over to the Dodgers. A one one six ERA. I think it was just a pitch usage pitch usage tweak. Arm, have you seen anything from that? When when was he? He came over on the fourteenth. On the fourteenth of May. Yeah, this it, I have I've it labeled as a slider, but he's just throwing the shit out of it. Yeah, <laughs> like just throwing the shit out of it, and yeah, he, holy crap! Since since the trade, a one four one forty six opponent batting average is crazy, um, and he's just pounding the strike zone. I think that's a big thing too. Sixty nine percent strike rate, like that's absurd. Um, yeah, it's like a it's like a hard slider cutter, right? What's it coming in at? High eighties. It's coming in at 85, but then there's some cutters that register at 91, 92. <laughs> they get so, like, they blend together. Like there's a lot of, like there's 87, 88s that like get like labeled both ways. The craziest thing to me is how much he's throwing them for strikes. Every, every pitch is is pounding the strike zone. Um, so it might've just been a small little release tweak because he was prior to the trade, almost six, 7% lower in strike rate. And then with Ryan Yarborough. I yeah I don't just get get him out of there. I don't know like he, what's he topping at 87, 89? The fact that they can get that out of Ryan it's, Yarbrough. It's the role though. It's the role, right? Yeah. Like the last two starts, he goes three innings and then they yank him. And they when protect, he was, yeah, yeah, they protect these guys better than any other organization in baseball. Like the Giants okay. in twenty one were were the best example of that. But on a year by year basis, the Dodgers' ability to shield players from their weaknesses is unmatched and the Dodgers have won 10 in a row it's kind of going underreported that they haven't lost in a couple of weeks right and then they face Corbin Burns as we're recording this against Lance Lynn and you might expect that the Brewers win that game but Corbin Burns's history in Los Angeles is not great they're probably going to win that game too and go to 11 in a row my oh my umbrella claim about the LA Dodgers is they find guys that either need a fresh start and they give them that fresh start or they see something with, you know, like they see a guy that needs one simple tweak mm-hmm. and they help make that simple tweak. Mm-hmm. And I was just telling you guys this before we record, like I, I honestly think you can boil it down to they are a good organization at that, at, at handling players. Unfortunately, there are a lot of major league organizations that are not great at helping out their major league roster work through kinks or at player development. And like, you would think, okay, well, every front office is 
300 people deep in Major League Baseball. They've got the right people to do that. Wrong. There are yeah. just some organizations that are flat out better than other organizations. And the Dodgers are the best organization in baseball. And in the minor leagues too, right? I was listening to foul territory as well. They were talking about the Dodgers, like the way that they treat their minor leaguers. Like they don't treat them like bad minor league players. Like they well, don't care it, about them. They actually is, do care about them. Isn't it a crazy concept that you, weird, you, right? Crazy concept to treat the players who you hope will become major leaguers like major leaguers. Like, wow, mind blowing concept. I want you to become a big leaguer, but you don't, you're not going to act like a big leaguer. You're not going to get the, you know, the resources that a big leaguer gets until you earn your way up there. Like, okay. Like that doesn't totally make sense to me. Like give them the resources, give them the opportunity to learn how to play at the highest level. And it lessens the learning curve. There's a reason why teams like that, you know, do what they do. Everybody gets an iPad. I saw Kratz was talking about that. And, um, you know, and they have these backend systems that, you can really get a lot of information. Now, of course, there's a, there's a certain line and there's overload, but it's good to get information, feedback, and and the data on what you're doing. And and also, the I know the Astros do this. I was talking to some guys in the Astros organization. They have people that explain it to you because like some of these players, like you know, they're not nerds like us. They don't care about you know some of the the data points. But if you explain it to them and say like, hey, you know, you're you're missing under these pitches, and like this is why. This is what this metric means. Or for pitchers, you know, there's a lot you can break down there. Then those players start to buy in a little bit more on on the data and start to to look into it. And you know, now you have guys that are like finding that little edge. So um, yeah, I know the Astros are proficient in that too, um, and and provide a lot of resources to their players. So another one, did you see what went down on foul territory yesterday? The Yankees. That system? was yeah. Whoever that guy was that 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 that's bullshit. That's bullshit. And I saw that Lance Brozdowski, who does great stuff for Marquee, is on to defend the Yankees hitting uh-huh. development. But the quote from like a former Yankee farmhand who's no longer with the Yankees, and frankly, like I don't want to drag the guy. I don't even know who it was, but I will tell you, he's probably not with the Yankees because he wasn't good enough with the Yankees. But he said there's no baseball being taught. That was the big quote there. And he used they used bizarre training methods. And I love Lance's clapback. He said, these bizarre training methods have led the Yankees to the following organizational ranks. If you combine every affiliate level, they're number three in 90th percentile exit velo. They're number one in expected weighted on base average and they're bottom 10, which pretty much means top 10 in chase rate. So they are selective and they're hitting the ball really hard. Um, So my thought on that, like without really diving into the secret sauce here with this generic Yankee former farmhand is this guy didn't work out because he's not Everson Pereira. Yeah. I mean, I, I, of course it was just so perfectly timed to like, let me drop this atomic bomb when they fired Dylan Lawson. Yeah. yeah, When the Yankees are stinking at the big league level. And you know that like all of the angry Yankee fans are going to take that and be like, yeah, of course. Yeah. They suck. Blow it up. (laughs) Yeah. Like, dude, look at the leave that like Anthony Volpe made. You look at Jason Dominguez, how he has continued to improve and improve. He started poorly this year and now has been swinging it really well. You talk about Everson Pereira. Um, If they get Spencer Jones continuing to swing it now, like turning him around, that'd be amazing. But like, there there's not one thing that would back that up um so not a single thing. yeah yeah there's nothing that backs up and, I, and the yankees do a good job from a hitting development standpoint i thought that was a ridiculous ridiculous thing but of course yankees fans were all over that and we're like yeah 
<laughs> we don't do shit. And it's Boone's <laughs> fault. Let's get rid. It's Cashman's fault they do a too. Lot of, both of them. It, there's, there's. I would say most, most of the problems are at the big league level. It's Cashman's fault at the big league level of putting together a good team, not developing talent in the minor leagues. It's, don't blame Lawson. I think why Yankee fans got upset is because it's been years and years and years of them not being able to develop really good any good players right it's been Aaron Judge like we saw Luis Severino come up and then he wasn't really all that good I think that's why Yankee fans saw that and ran with it kind of without fact checking like I know when it first came out there was a part of me that believed it right because like you talk about in the minor leagues how they are hitting the ball so hard what Ruda said and here's the quote from the New York Post here's all you need to know in 2020, before COVID hit spring training, we played a game called pitchers versus hitters. The only way to score a point was to walk or hit a ball 95 miles an hour plus. There's no baseball being taught anymore. No base running, moving runner, moving runners, fundamentals, etc. Now, do I fully believe that? No, I think he's over-exaggerating. If you're saying that they do not teach base running, they don't teach fundamentals at all, that's a little far-fetched. Very hard to believe that. But do I believe that they have bought so highly into analytics and have lost kind of that Yankee feel that has kind of resulted in years over years of them not performing to the level that they think they can? Brian Cashman saying that we're in it to win it. I think there's a level of honesty, whether it be honest or not, that came out of that report. And Yankee fans haven't been getting that honesty from the front office. So I think part of it is true. I think they're behind the eight ball of a lot of the other best teams when it comes to their analytics department, when it comes to their player development. But to say that they're not teaching anything, well, let it's me, tough to digest. Let me throw this here. You say they don't really have a track record of developing you know, the, these players aside from a judge. Who have they given an opportunity to? Like pretty much everybody in their lineup constantly is either a trade acquisition or a free agent signing. Like they don't give anybody an opportunity. Glaber Torres is the homegrown guy. Gary was the homegrown guy and Gary Sanchez. People want to shit on him for the end of the Yankee tenure. This guy looked like freaking Babe Ruth at the beginning of his Yankee tenure. They are good at this. And you see so many former Yankee farmhands that are excelling in other organizations. Look no further than Texas and Ezekiel Durant. That guy just needs to get point. People think, I think that's the Tyro point. Estrada was a Yankee yeah. farmhand. That's what I'm saying. I think that's the point, right? No, it's because they trade all their prospects. They trade it up. Yeah, like I, I think the point is this guy is saying they don't teach baseball. My thing is they don't give their minor leaguers an opportunity. And you look at the Yankees at the big league level. When was the last time they played true fundamental baseball? How, how many years in a row have the New York Yankees been immobile power bats, one through nine? It's been five years now. No, I agree with you. I think we're on the same page. I'm not on Ruda's page. I think he speaks a little bit of truth, and I think that's, some of it is over-exaggerated. That's baseball in general now, though. Like, they're just not going to spend time on on base running as much as they're going to spend on consistently hitting the ball hard and hitting the ball in the air and and those things. Like, it's just that's that's every farm system for the most part now, I think, in general. And for the players that do, I think, like – have that edge to them base running lines like Anthony Volpe developed into an elite base dealer. Everson Pereira uh, is, is a decent base dealer. Oswald Peraza is a very good base dealer. Like again, like why are you going to teach like base running across your entire organization? Like just, I think they should at the big league level. And like, that's something that should be like emphasized and like 
talked about. Maybe it should be more. And I think baseball will get back to that a little bit. But every organization is doing that. Every organization is focusing on walking and hitting the ball hard. Those are two things that will win you a lot of ball games and that all of the best teams in baseball do. How do you uh, get really paid? Well. Do you get be- do you get paid by like bunt situationals like arbitration? Come on, like do we get paid? No, for- I agree, but I th- I think there's a level of they bought too much into it. Like I I disagree that these organizations like the Astros and the Dodgers and the Rays and some of these other teams that have proven the that they've been able to develop. I think they're teaching more than just hit the ball hard, and I think that's what Ben Ruda is talking about. That there's not the level of development across learning how to play the game of baseball versus get everybody in the building, teach them to hit the ball as hard as possible, and then see what happens. That's what I think he's saying. Did he exaggerate? Of course. But I think they are behind the eight ball because the Yankees have as much resources and as much money as humanly possible. They are the New York Yankees, right? They're the most expensive franchise in sports in baseball. They should be able to develop and build the best player development humanly possible. But the fact is that they're behind the eight ball. So why is that? I think that's why Yankee fans jumped on the story and said, well, then that's the reason. So I get where they are coming from in that sense, because there's no doubt about it, guys. They have more resources than everybody else, and they're continually behind. There has to be something wrong. Their scouting sucks. I mean, they, they, look at their too. draft picks, man. Like, I, I really think that's a big part of it. Like, they, they really, like, they, there's guys that they've drafted that I don't care if you put them with the Dodgers and the Astros combined with all of the best development in the history of the world. Nobody's making Anthony Siegel a good baseball player. It's just not happening. Hey, no one's doing that. And like that. That's one of several. So it's an interesting conversation. I just think it's it's funny because I, I, I wonder what other organizations that guy really has to compare to that he's played in. Like, did he bounce around a lot? Did he have comparisons elsewhere? Like, I, I feel like most guys that get to pro ball, like, at this point, they don't really need to be taught to play baseball. Like, you identify those guys that know how to play baseball. That's what the Guardians do. Um, you know, and I think that's why they do a good job there. It's like, I feel like there's a certain point in, in, a, in a professional's career where it's like, we really need to teach you how to base run. We, we, we got to tell you how to, how this works. Like we're going to do, we're going to do this instead of, of working on, you know, things that can you know put you over the top. Like, I think it's an interesting spot. I, I'd love to like survey 30, you know, farm directors and, and see like what, what they feel is lacking. And, and, and their I do think it's, this. I do think it's also beyond base running though. Right. Like he was talking about just general fundamentals of like what, right? Like what's, I guess what's more important, right? Is it just trying to hit the ball as hard as possible or is it to develop into a better hitter, right? Take your walks, just be but better. Was, but that was, was that not but just that was the drill. The, the drill was walk walks or hit, and hit the ball plus. hard. And that's what we got to do. Walks and homers. That's baseball in 2023. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I don't really have a rebuttal to that. If if they're if they're playing a game where it's just hit the ball hard and take walks, I don't and, I don't see anything wrong with that game. To be honest, yeah, it's, it's a great game. So the best well, team's it's not do. working. It's not working. Not working for the Yankees. It, exactly. That's the point. Is what I'm trying to say. Like maybe that's just. I agree. Like when we evaluate prospects, like we're looking at guys who hit the ball hard and who take their free passes. But again, These games like, are not working. And it, I don't think other organizations are playing the game where it's pitchers versus hitters and it's just take walks or hit the ball hard 
And if you get a hit, it doesn't matter if it's not 95 plus. It's not working for the Yankees, but that, but again, like they're not giving the Somerset Patriots and the Scranton Wilkesbury Rail Riders opportunities with the New York Yankees. Like it's not working for Donaldson. It's not working for DJ yeah. LeMahieu, who's a $90 million guy. So it's but they t- haven't been able to pull up prospects who have done all the well. And you're talking about opportunity. Like Estevan Floreal has gotten his opportunities and has hit well at AAA, has not hit well at the big leagues. Right. We can go through a lot of guys like Glaber Torres. They traded who was already a top prospect. I wouldn't give the Yankees kind of credit for him. The Yankees have pulled up pitcher after pitcher after pitcher, and almost none of them work. They're all free agent signings. Right. Aaron Judge is the one guy who's really worked for them. But besides that, you know, Volpe's been good, but he's, good. he's also got an 88 WRC plus. Right. He's, he's early. Exactly. I think he's going to be a good player. And I think there are guys that come across each organization where it's not all about their development within the organization. They're just going to be very, very good. Maybe Volpe's one of them. And I think Aaron judge is one of them besides them. They haven't done anything, right? They haven't done anything. So that's why I think people are freaking out is I agree with you guys. They haven't given these guys the proper opportunity to get tons of ABs, but the thing is, when they come up and get their opportunities, they aren't really performing. And I, I think it's a draft thing too. Like Blake Rutherford ain't performing anywhere. Um, Justice Sheffield, he Anthony Siegler, yeah, it's an it's an interesting one. Um, again, Duhard gets up there, succeeds, and then falls off a cliff. Like I, again, I think a lot of it is big league related. I think the biggest issues at the big leagues more than the farm system, like by by far. Like right. Clark Schmidt is the guy that they're relying on right now. Yeah. Um, all right. We're going to go rapid fire here. We've got three guys each that are like the unsung heroes. And we're going to go one at a time. Um, I can start us off because we're going winners. We're going guys that uh, are on teams that are either competing for a division title or are fully in the wild card hunt. And, and I'm going to start in the National League and I'm actually going to go to Philly. I think Bryson Stott is one of those like unsung heroes. And, you know, you can point to 297, you can point to a WRC plus over 105. I think it's like 107 right now, but this guy's a three and a half win player. And, you know, I, I think a lot of the conversation around Philly is probably around Harper, understandably so, forcing his way back and being that true leader. Um, after coming back from TJ, I think eight months post, maybe six months post. Um, Trey Turner, underwhelming, but turning it around. Castellanos kind of finding it offensively again as defense docks him. Um, like there are a lot of other big stories with the Phillies, but the safety net that Bryson Stott has given the Philadelphia Phillies at second base, he's one of the better defenders in all of baseball, and he's hitting 300. I mean, this guy has been a rock for Philly. Yeah, I mean, I that's a guy that I really liked coming out of the minor leagues, especially after like he showed in the Arizona Fall League. And I'm like, oh my gosh, they're going to play him at second. Like he's a pretty good shortstop. He's going to be a really good defender there. And um, the power will play up with the short porch and right and, and all that. Gets, it didn't all quite come together right away. But like now it's 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 really a, a sound profile. And it's funny because like as a prospect, he was that we're just talking on the call up at the top 100, Jack, like my favorite players in the world are the 50 to 55 tools across the board. Cause it's just like, exactly what I can just, just like sit back in my chair and just be like, okay, I can project this guy to be good. That Bryson starts the definition of 50 to 55s across the board. And we're, we're really seeing it now play out at the big league level. Yep. Yeah. I was, that's the only thing I was going to point out too. There's nothing Bryson Stott is bad at. He's a good yeah. defender. He's a good base runner. He's got a good arm. 
He's got good bat to ball and he's got a little bit of power, right? And you need those guys. Like my list, especially, just has a bunch of winners on it, guys who impact winning. So while Bryson Stott, that's why it's a great answer, Jack, 105 WRC plus, but he's a three and a half win guy. He doesn't just get it with the bat. He gets it in every single area that you can in Major League Baseball, something the Yankees don't teach. Yeah. (laughs) Who's yours? (laughs) All right. Um, So first round pick, by the way. Yes, it worked. Good scouting by Philly. So my guy is just a guy who I'm really, really excited about. Patrick Bailey. So Patrick Bailey of the San Francisco Giants. The Giants are 41 and 27 with him in the lineup. They're 23 and 30 without him. The Giants were 21 and 30 when he got called up. And in games that he's missed, when he's been called up, they're two and seven. Even though Bailey didn't debut until May 19th, he leads all Giants in position player war, right? He's probably the best defender in baseball right now at the plate. Cause he ranks number one in pop time. He ranks number one in all these different framing metrics, right? He's a switch hitter. And the reason I brought him up is because he only has a 98 WRC plus, but when I watch him, I feel like every single at bat is a good at bat. And he's also a switch hitter. That's kind of been unlucky by some batted ball data. And this is a quote from Buster Posey, because I think the giants have been kind of looking now for a couple of years, right? They had Joey Bart for a little bit. They've been looking for that kind of next Buster Posey. And I don't know if he's ever going to be offensively as gifted as Buster Posey. Not a lot of catchers are in the history of Major League Baseball. But this quote, the biggest thing that stands out to me is his quiet, calm confidence. It's oozing off him onto the screen, even watching him on TV. It's hard to measure how important that is, not just for the pitching staff, but for the rest of the guys that are watching every pitch. You can see all the tools he has, obviously the tremendous arm. But the biggest thing is that as soon as he walks onto the field, you feel good about winning that game, and that's a strong attribute to have, right? 2.8 F4 in 68 games for Patrick Bailey. He is as impactful of a defender that we even have in Major League Baseball, and the fact that as a rookie, he's an average hitter already. I think Patrick Bailey not only impacts winning for the San Francisco Giants, 41-27 and with him, but I think he's one of the next great young catchers in the game. So... Pat Bailey, I, I will say this, Pat Bailey, like really good numbers at NC State, but not Joey Bart type numbers at Georgia Tech. I think the Giants knew what they were getting in the first round, and that's a guy that pretty much aced any level of the interview process. I remember Pat Bailey got rave reviews at NC State, and he really hit the ground slowly in the minor leagues. And I know his prospect intrigue dissipated quickly but i mean this guy i i don't think you will hear a negative remark about this guy's ability to handle a pitching staff um and and that is clearly turned into him being a top flight defensive catcher this guy among rookies is fourth in war right now behind corbin carroll james outman matt mcclain pat bailey has played 68 games carroll's 116 outman 111 mcclain 79 but mcclain is awesome The guys right behind Pat Bailey and war. And you mentioned 98 WRC plus Josh Young, Luke Rayleigh, Gunnar Henderson, Francisco Alvarez, those WRC pluses 122 from young 140 from Rayleigh. Holy shit. Uh, 113 from Gunnar Henderson, 109 from Alvarez. He's out warring all these guys because he's immediately one of the best defensive catchers in baseball. All, All I got to add is this is, this was the biggest surprise for me this year. 
Uh, this was probably the most unexpected performer uh, to, to be this good. I mean, it is unbelievable what he's doing defensively and he's hitting better than I thought he would hit, to be honest. I, this is probably my number one surprise this year is, is Pat Bailey and a big reason why the Giants are, are in the hunt. Yeah. Who's your first one? My first one's going to be a little bit of an older guy, but a guy that's really settled in here. It's Whit Merrifield. Um, mm-hmm. Merrifield's always been the guy that kind of does all of the little things and, you know, just fills up the stat sheet across the board. But then he kind of got away from that. I think he went, he got a little stale in, in Kansas City. And last year was, I think he was a little banged up. But man, he's been a huge part of what Toronto's doing this year in terms of just being able to be a huge glue guy for a team that, has some power hitters, has a lot of young guys, you know, it can be a little bit volatile. Like he seems to hedge a lot of that volatility and he's been awesome. He's almost a three win player already this year in the eyes of F4, 11 home runs, 22 stolen bases. He's slashing 301, 346, 428. He's played 66 games at second. He's played 62 games at left, four games in right. Uh, It's just kind of everything you could ever want from that super utility type. And, you know, he looks like one of the more underrated chips, I think, for a, a contender because no one really talks about Whit Merrifield. Yeah, Arm, when you uh, when we all talked about the three that we were going to bring, um, you mentioned your first guy in the Whit Merrifield, and I immediately went perfect <laughs> because when I turn on Blue Jays games, I feel like he's the best player on their team, right? We talk about Vladimir Grove Jr., but 18 home runs from Vladdy with an OPS over under 800, that is not good, right? Bo Bichette has been fantastic offensively but he's not the Swiss army knife in the field, right? Whit Merrifield does everything for them. Kind of similar to Bryson Stott, which you named Jack is good at everything on the field. He's a good defender. He's fantastic on the base pass. And he's just always getting that big hit for them. I feel like if you pulled blue Jays fans and said, who do you want bottom of the ninth, couple of runners on, they might say Bo Bichette, but I think a good majority of them would say Whit Merrifield, which is just a crazy sentence. Yeah, Whit Merrifield has been so valuable for the Blue Jays. What a signing. Yep. Um, I'm going to go to another older guy. This guy, much older than Whit Merrifield, actually. And I, I'm staying NL East for my second one. Uh, Charlie Morton here, because you have the volatility of the rest of that rotation. Everybody wants to talk about the Atlanta offense. Understandably so. Matt Olson, somehow still an underrated player in Major League Baseball. Austin Riley has been a freakazoid. Albies before the injury was crazy. Acuna's Acuna. Spencer Strider gets so much love for a guy that's at a three nine five because he's striking yes. out the world, but he's had some big ball issues. Yep. Max Fried's been hurt a lot. Bryce Elder was standing on his head. Now he's not standing on his head. Kyle Wright's been out. Who's been the one consistent guy in that rotation? It's Chuck, dude. Charlie Morton has been a freak show. And I dare you to find me a split that he's not good in. At home, a three five six. On the road, a three five three. In April, a two seven six. May, a four four five. Whatever, four two eight in June, three one five in July, two nine three in August. I mean, this is a model of consistency if I've ever seen it. And he is one of the best pitches in baseball in that curveball. Still, nuts. And you and you know he's going to be there in the postseason. Like he's going to pitch through a broken fucking leg. Yeah, Greg Jennings. I tr- I trust him as much as anybody. Uh, you know, any non ace. Like I, I would love to. That that'd be a good episode down the line. It's like non aces. Yeah, I love which non aces do you trust the most in a big game? Like, dude, he's he's got to be up there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was like Christian Javier. Now it's 
Yeah, that no, might it, still be Javier. Turn the TV on in October. It might still be Javier. Peter. Or he next. might get bombed. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to feel right now. So there is one guy in Major League Baseball that ever since he came up, he's just been winning. And the reason I bring this player up is I heard that he was having a bad year. Because when you look at the stats, Adley Rutschman, the numbers don't burst off the page. He's got an OPS under 800, and he's got 1,600 home runs. But Adley Rutschman is a winner. They're 133 and 96 with Adley since he was called up. They have never been swept. The Orioles were 16 and 25. The Orioles were 16 and 25 on May 21st when Adley debuted in 2022. In 2021, this Orioles team finished 52 and 110. And the, another reason why I love Adley, he's played 116 games this year. He plays every day, whether it's catcher. Or DH when catchers don't do that outside of Salvador Perez, who of course can't defend at all, but we know how valuable he is, at least offensively, to the Royals. It's an incredible at bat every single time. Like Ali Rutschman sees the third most pitches for a plate appearance in the American League. So while he's not hitting 40 home runs, he's not got this crazy OPS, he's still one of the best defenders in the sport, and he is a leader. And what he does for that Orioles pitching staff, we always talk about. Oh, these Orioles arms, no way they can keep it up. And then they keep keeping it up. And I think it has a lot to do with Adley at such a young age, his relationship with these pitchers, getting them through innings. Like there's a reason guys like Austin Hedges stays around, right? Martin Maldonado stays around with the Astros. I think Adley is that version for the Orioles, but then he also can hit. But even in the years that the stats don't jump off the page, really, really good at bats, right? He's near the top and win probability added. In that Fangraphs clutch stat, he's very, very clutch. He just gets big hits when you need him. Adley Rutschman is kind of becoming the definition of a winner in Major League Baseball. Well, if there's one guy, because, you know, I think people throw around like, oh, this guy's a winner, this guy's a winner. Uh, when you're a catcher, you really can impact winning. I mean, look at Martin Maldonado. Like you said, like that guy, he's helped them win in Houston, like, even though he puts up horrible numbers consistently. I know right now that they, few Astros fans are like done. They've had enough at this point. Yeah. Cause it's like, it's getting so bad that it's like, it's intolerable, but like, yeah, I mean, catchers can really make or break it for you. And I mean, it's exactly what Adley's doing. And it's funny because you mentioned like the, Oh, like his numbers aren't like that great. And like, that's the perception and I get it, but it's also one of those things where it's like, he's still putting up well above average league numbers and he plays in such a freaking graveyard. Like it, everything else is right on par with last year in terms of like what he's been able to do uh, on base wise, batting average wise. It's the slugging that's gone down where they moved the, the wall in fucking left field 8,000 feet away, which I still think is one of the dumbest things on earth. I think it's bizarre how far it is out there uh, in Camden, but no, it's been awesome to see. And like, he's just scraping the surface of what he's going to be. I, I, if I could buy, I stock in, you know, and I know catchers are weird, but if I could buy stock in somebody that could be a hall of famer, like I'm, that's one of the guys I'm buying stock in for sure. Uh, just assuming he stays healthy. Um, I really like that point too, because I think the term winner is kind of thrown out there a lot, but I think it does catchers. pertain to some people and Adley Rutschman. Like if you're going to think about who's a winner, Adley Rutschman, since he got called up, all they do is win when he's in the lineup. College. Win college too. They won a lot of games. Yeah, they haven't been swept since Adley debut. There you go. 
They haven't been swept this year. When you need a win, Adley's there. Come on. Arm, second guy. Second guy, I, I gotta I gotta stick with my Miami Marlins here, a guy that uh we highlighted in the underrated pitchers episode. And you know, the this I probably wouldn't have picked him if it weren't for the trend of the rotation the last couple weeks. But Braxton Garrett of the Miami Marlins, I think, is one of the more unsung guys. If you take Braxton Garrett out of this Marlins rotation right now, given the turnover and some of the things that they've had to deal with, I think I think they're they're like five, six games behind from where they are right now. Yep. He has come in when they need quality starts and has given them quality starts pretty consistently. He's second on the team rotation-wise and pitching-wise in general in F4, just behind Sandy Alcantara. Uh, he's given them a 3.91 ERA. He's thrown 122 innings. He doesn't walk anybody. Somehow with, with the average stuff, above average strikeout rates, and again, like they've had Edward Cabrera option back to AAA because he can't throw a strike. They had to manage Yuri Perez's innings. Jesus Lizardo's hit a wall. Sandy had the bad start. Johnny Cueto was unusable and hurt all year. Like this team would be lost without Braxton Garrett. And I don't think anybody really realizes that. Like his ERA slightly inflated from a couple blow up starts. And of course those counts. But when I'm talking about every fifth day, keeping a team in the hunt and giving them a chance to win, Aside from the two blow-up starts, one of them was that 11-earned run outing against the Braves where they just said, all right, we lost Braxton. Just save the bullpen, bro. I'm sorry. Take one for the team. Like, it's been three, two, or one run almost every single game out there. And, again, I think the Marlins might be out of it without Braxton Garrett, and I don't think people realize that. I think this is the best example we have because I do a thing that I shouldn't do where I, you know, will look at the probables for that day and I ID which games I really want to watch. And no shot Marlins, you're tuning into Brax. <laughs> but dude, the Marlins are typically one of those teams. Like three days out of five, they're one of those days when when Sandy's a probable. I'm like, is is this gonna be his complete game shutout? When Luzardo is the probable, I'm like, this guy has shit that is not replicated out of his hand. When Yuri's the probable, this guy's the wonderkin. But I'm like, yeah, I can pass up Braxton Garrett. Yeah, it's fair. But he's the bedrock. It's boring, good baseball. It's throwing strikes. Jose Abreu. It's not 97. It's 89 to 90. But he just keeps it off the barrel. Keeps the ball on the ground. Doesn't strike everybody out. But then you look up at the scoreboard, and it's the sixth inning, and the Marlins are winning 2-1. to you're like, wait, did I just sleepwalk? That's what I think Braxton Garrett does. He sleeps, walks offenses <laughs> yeah. into the sixth inning. You're like, he wait does, a minute, does, I just he, forgot. He does almost, I think it's a great term. Like he like lulls them almost. It's just like he mixes pitches, pounds the strike zone. All of a sudden you blink and it's the fourth or the fifth inning. 12 starts this year with one earned run or less Damn. and 16 with two earned runs or less. Again, like that's just giving a team a chance. Um, he He's definitely unsung uh, it, it, for, for a team that's that's in it. I mean, Arm, think about it. They just played three games against the Houston Astros. Who was the one win? It was Braxton Garrett. Good point. One one earned run. Yeah, People great One point. earned against a team who had a 170 WRC plus against lefties going into it in the last month and yes. shut them the hell down. What yeah. did they do against Jesus Zardo, where I Bombs came on this away. podcast yesterday, put on a tinfoil hat and said, look at the props? Yeah, well, they put up 12. Now, some of that was on Jorge Lopez, but... Five of them in the first inning was off Jesus Cesardo. So you know they could hit lefties. Then they get Braxton Garrett, and they look up at the sixth inning. It's like, wait, we're losing 4-1. Shit, we got to 
battle back and then they didn't and they lost. Yeah. That's, that's a great example. That's like a microcosm of it all. So my last one, um, it, it's Jose Barrios with the Blue Jays. And I've got a couple of questions to ask you guys. Um, after the 2021 season, when Toronto extended him seven years, 131, was it worth it at the time? Yes or no? Try and take out 22. Like, no, I didn't even think at the time. I'm, I hope we could fact check me. I said yes. I, I, I just like, thought that was a fat deal. I, I, I think I was very indifferent to it. If I'm trying to, like, I, I think it was just very, like, oh, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think that was probably me too. I was like, yeah, yeah, that's probably so, the price it, that he yeah. cost. It definitely wasn't like, oh, great deal. And I don't think it was like, oh my God, they're going to regret this. But it definitely was like, eh, there's other guys I'd pay that too, but whatever. Yep. So Barrios, his best year of his career before this year was 2021 when he had a 3.52 ERA. He's got a 3.53 ERA this year. But the thing that I want to point you to is this guy, how many starts does a starter that doesn't miss a turn in the rotation make in an MLB season? I think 32. 32. Yeah, 31, 32. I think it's 32 for pretty much everybody. 2018, he started 32 games. 2019, he started 32 games. 2020, he started 12 of the 60. That's 20% of starts. So pronate or prorate that to 32. 2021, he started 32 games. 2022, he started 32 games. He started 24 games this year. He's on pace for 32. Huh. This guy may not miss a start since 2017. And amid threes, that's reliable as shit. And in a year where Alec Manoa has been Alec Manoa, um, Gosman reliable, yes. Kikuchi been better, yes. Blue Jays offense has been really suspect at points. For them to know they're getting a mid threes out of Jose Barrios is huge, especially when you couldn't rely on him coming into the year. That's a really good point. Yeah, I was going to say, that's a great point, because I, I don't think anybody thinks like, you think Sandy Alcantara, you think durable, right? Yeah. You, you think Garrett Cole, you think, I know those guys are aces, but I'm just saying you also, like, you have a durability associated. And, with well, that. and the pitch profile, the frame, the mechanics, they don't scream durable for Barrios at all. No, I, but I've never think durable with Barrios. And to your point, like, even if he's in a high threes, it's so valuable nowadays. We talk about all this, all this rotation turnover to just have somebody that you know can give you 180, 200 innings you know, every year and he's around there. Um, and, and we give you the 30 starts. That's, that's big time. You really kind of opened my eyes, Jack, honestly, because when you put that, <laughs> when you no, seriously though, when you put this player in, when we were talking before, like arm, I immediately said, Whit Merrifield, great one. Jose Barrios, Jack. But <laughs> yeah. Now I, I kind of like, was like, eh. <laughs> now I'm like, fuck, you're right. The durability, which I love in starting pitchers. You can yes. rely on them every fifth day. It's why has probably... why has Garrett Cole been worth it for the New York Yankees? Exactly. Because he's out there every fifth day. It's the most underrated aspect of pitchers these days because you don't get it from most of them. And the fact that he's just going to go in day in and day out, and he's not a five-and-dive guy, right? He can easily give you six, seven innings of good baseball. That's a good point. That's all I want to say. Thanks, Thanks Peter. Thanks. Thanks. I appreciate I like it. it. Good work. Right. Good work out of you. Yeah. He's your second guy or a third guy. My third guy. So the unsung hero of the best team of the last decade, the Houston Astros, is Alex Bregman. When you think Astros, you think Jose Altuve, Jordan Alvarez, Kyle Tucker, and maybe you think about Alex Bregman, but I think a lot of people just push him to the side. Well, if you look at the winning percentages across those four players, 
only Jordan Alvarez has a better winning percentage when he's played for the Houston Astros than Alex Bregman in a much shorter sample because he's a newer Astro, right? He's played every single game this season. He's one of the best defenders at third base. And I think that he's like one of those players, kind of similar to what you were saying about Bryson Stott arm, that he could play multiple different positions. Like if he played second base, I think he'd be a great second baseman. If he played short, I think it'd be at least an average shortstop. Just one of those players who's good at everything. 90% zone contact or higher in six straight seasons. Gets the most out of his frame. He doesn't hit the ball hard at all. But he's still going to be a 25 home run guy because everything is put in the air and he never gets out of his approach. And you could say, well, he plays in Houston, right? The Crawford boxes as a right-handed hitter. But he has more home runs on the road in his career. Oh, that's interesting. He's 36 in win probability added and eighth in Fangraph's clutch stat. So you know when Alex Bregman comes to the plate and there's runners on, on base, he's driving them in. And since 2018, he's the number two third baseman in win probability added. Ahead of Nolan Arenado, ahead of Manny Machado. If you're thinking about players who aren't catchers that I think you can label as winners, yeah, Alex Bregman is a winner. Yeah. I mean, by the time his career's done, he's going to be one of the all-time leaders, I think, in a lot of playoff, you know, cumulative stats, clutch stats, all that good stuff. You have the level of, like, I don't think he's phased by the big moment, but then you also have the level of all the things you mentioned, guy who makes elite contact, guy who has an elite approach, is generally going to come through in those big spots more frequently. Um, So it's it's... I mean, Bregman's up there. I know he's you know, probably not going to repeat the six, seven war seasons that we saw from him, but he's a guy that I, I think I'd trust in a big spot as much as anybody. And also, like, I mean, I, when I went to the World Series, he made one of the nastiest plays at third I'd seen in a while. Like, he makes big plays defensively. He he just – he does it all. And, and, and on the base paths, like, might not rack up a trillion stolen bases, but that's a guy that I trust to get the extra 90, to make the right decisions, to make the right reads. Like, He's, he's again, this, this episode like demands a lot of baseball cliches, but like, he's a guy that like does all the little things. He checks the boxes, man. That's, that's like, that's like, that's a guy you point towards with your little league team that you coach and you say like, play like that. I know he cheated, whatever. I don't give a shit. Like that's other than that. Like, that's what you, that's what you want, you know, your guy to do. I think there are so many players in baseball who are really, really talented, who don't know how to play baseball. If that makes sense. Well, no Yankee knows how to play baseball. They don't teach them. Exactly, Jack. You (laughs) took the words right out of my mouth. They don't know how to play the game of baseball, which is so important over 162. Like Alex Bregman is a six foot, 190 pound guy who's in the 25th percentile of hard hit rate. You wouldn't expect him to just be this incredible baseball player. The fact that he could be a 25 home run guy and one of the best defenders at third base, a premium defensive position, year in, year out. But the reason I brought him up, right? He's in 250 with a 119 WRC yeah. plus. Yeah, I know. Not really, the stats aren't really shooting off the table. But when he's in for the Astros, they win, right? He's played every single game this year, just durable as shit. The unsung hero of the Astros. Went on a little mini dive here. Speaking of durable, just one more thing for you, Peter. Last time uh, Jose Barrios was on the injured list, the only time he was on the injured list in his career, it wasn't the injured list. He went on the disabled list for the minimum seven days 
when he was a New Britain rock cat in August of 2014, <laughs> which was Minnesota's AA affiliate. It's actually that's amazing. That's, that's amazing. amazing. Yeah, that's so, amazing. Aram, your last one. Last one. Uh, Nico Horner, Chicago yeah. Cubs. This is a classic one. I think it's almost low-hanging fruit. But, I mean, come on. And we couldn't do an episode like this and not – it's a layup. But we can't do an episode like this and not talk about Nico Horner. I mean, Marcus Stroman quote tweeted or just baseball account saying, like, I don't think people give this guy enough love. Um, I couldn't see it from my main account, but then I switched to just baseball account so that I could see it. <laughs> nice. I'm blocked, blocked by Marcus Stroman. But, I mean, like, this dude is the model of consistency. You got 44 games in 2021 where he has a 106 WRC+. plus. Then you get a full season in 2022, 106 WRC+. Plus. And then in 2023 – so far this year, now he's a 104 WRC plus. He had a slow start, but that's not even what his game's about. He's an elite defender at second base. He steals bags, which stole 20 last year. He already has 30 this year. And efficiently, efficiently, he was 20 for 22. He's 30 for 35. Dang. 10 home runs last year, has nine this year. Uh, walks have gone up. Now he's getting on base at a higher clip. Never strikes out. Like this is a dude that will make a difference for you on the base paths with the bat grind out ABs. And I still think he's going to get better and better. Like again, shaking off that slow start since the slow start, he's been really damn good. He might steal close to 40 bags. He's going to hit probably 12, 13 home runs. He's going to be one of the better graded defenders in the game. And he's going to put up now back to back four win seasons. I mean, and for what he signed for extension wise, like three years, 35 million, bro. I would, I would give him so much more than that, but he's the kind of guy that won't ever get a crazy deal because he doesn't do all of the sexy things. He's so valuable. He's so valuable. I would kill to have an eco Horner on my team. Yep. Another great example of a guy who knows how to play baseball. Just knows how to play the game, Jack. Wait, he went to Stanford. Pick. He better know. Yeah. He was first round pick. Tommy Edmond. Do you know they what the there is at Stanford? They all know how to play baseball, man. Yeah. Tal Quantrill. Winner. He knows how to he knows how to ball. Knows yeah. how to ball. Knows how to win. Nico right. Warner, Tommy Edmond, Cal Quantrill, the trio. Rapid fire. Historic. Rapid fire to end the pod. I'm going to give you series this weekend. I want a series winner. Let's start with Yankees Red Sox. <laughs> Who wins that series? Who is oh, fully out of the conversation? Off. I'm keep not the answering. Red Sox winning two or three. I'm not answering. Okay. I, I got Red Sox taking two out of three. Okay. How about uh, Atlanta, San Francisco? How many does Atlanta take? Is it in San Francisco? It's in Atlanta. Yeah, Atlanta might sweep. Atlanta might sweep. Okay. Yeah. I go Atlanta two or three. San Francisco two or three. Wow. Okay. I think Milwaukee wins a road series at Texas. Mm. Corbin Burns is pitching in the last game against the Dodgers. If they don't have him, it's- I would need to see the probables. So it's Woodruff and Heaney on Friday. It's Peralta and Dunning on Saturday. It's Hauser and Scherzer on Sunday. People are they saying Woodruff. People are saying Woodruff's a bad man. Some I'm people. saying Woodruff's a bad I, man, but I also, you know, who's bad against lefties? The Brewers. Like, good luck against Andrew Heaney. Oh, like that yeah. game. That's that, what I'm saying. They're it's just, like, they're, yeah, they're just bad, man. Like, if like, Woodruff allows two runs, it might be over. That's that's the problem here. I'm saying the Rangers win at least two out of three. Yeah, Rangers win two out of three. Okay. I go Milwaukee two or three. Seattle and Houston. On Friday, Bryce Miller and JP France. On Saturday, game of the weekend, Logan Gilbert and Framber Valdez. Mm. And on Sunday, 
it's Emerson Hancock and Hunter Brown, which I will be tuned the fuck in for. I think there will be multiple extra innings games. Yeah, in those. like that. Like there's going to be a lot of like final 11, final 10. I'm going to say the Astros win two out of three, but that's this is becoming I think that's the best series of the weekend. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think it's a fucking show. I'm going. I think Mariners take two out of three. I think the Mariners take the first two and then Hancock gets bombed. Okay. Um, all right, here we go. Tampa and the Angels. I've got two more for you. Erasmo Ramirez is starting no, a game for the Tampa Bay Rays. No way. Yep, probably he's starting sh- tonight against Tyler Anderson. Erasmo Ramirez against Tyler Anderson on Friday. On Saturday, it's Eflin against Silseth. And on Sunday, it's Glasnow and Sandoval. In Tampa? L.A. In L.A. Angels need wins. Need it. Need it. Need them, need which is why so they're not going to get them Tampa 2-3. or three. They're going to lose yeah. the Erasmo start. <laughs> you know what? Tampa sweeps. <laughs> I think they win the Erasmo start. I think he's going to weirdly – you know he's going to give them four innings of one run ball. For sure. You're right. Give me uh... – is Giolito pitching in the series? No. Tyler Anderson, Chase Silseth, and Patrick Sandoval. They'll win the Silseth start. Give me two out of three with the Angels. No, that's just what you want to believe. I'm going to die this way, dude. I'm yes. going to literally die this way. It's fine. It's, I'm, you know, you know what I'm, we did again, guys? We what? bought We bought into the Angels again. Yeah, I know. I'm still there. Again. I'm you think done. we're not going to do it next year, bro? 100% I, we're going to do it next year. I'm done. Nope. No, when they re-sign Otani, I'm there. I'm, you nope. said that last year. You said that last year. I know. You and I, this, I know. You and I get together, Peter. We start just bouncing off each other about <laughs> talking <laughs> each other into the angels. It's like peer pressure, bro. You and I are going to get, we're gonna get a coffee. We're going to get a coffee in April. Anymore. Yeah, and we're going to – you and I are going to do it. We're going to have the conversation, and then – we're gonna we're gonna record the podcast and we're gonna say this is the year. If not well, now, when? It's we've called a group been, thing. We've never been so wrong about a team year over year over year over year. I don't know, man. I can't read the year. fucking Minnesota Twins. I have no <laughs> idea what goes on with Minnesota. Uh, last one: Arizona and San Diego. Who's officially dead after this weekend? In San Diego, mm. Fott and Lugo that. on Friday. Merrill oh. Kelly and Darvish on Saturday. Uh, to be determined in Michael Waka on Sunday. I'm gonna go. The Allen Padres. won't throw. I'm gonna go the Padres, big brother. Them. I actually I wouldn't be say, surprised if they sweep. I was gonna say that Padres sweep. I I hate to say it. I love the D backs. This is like that building block year. Next year will be their their year. But I think it's just kind of running out now a little bit. Yeah. Okay. And then I think Michael Kopech and Jimmy Lambert in Colorado. Is this Jimmy Lambert or is this Peter Lambert? Peter Lambert. Michael Kopech and Peter Lambert, uh, Friday night in Colorado. How many runs? 40? First recorded tie in Major League history that n- nobody wins. They Not both get losses. They tie at 19 heading into the. Yeah, there's no outs. They just can't get the outs. It just, it just keeps keeps going. Both teams forfeit. All right, gentlemen. Peter Apple, take us out. Aram has a tray or a bus to catch to Allentown. Greyhound bus. Pray for me. Pray for Aram. And in the meantime, while you're praying for Aram, if you could just go click the five-star review button on Spotify (laughs) or Apple Podcasts. And as well, click click that subscribe button on YouTube. Hit the like button, comment, anything that you want to see from us next week. We hope, hope you guys all enjoyed this episode. And the best way to support as well is go get yourself some Just Baseball merch. I'm rocking a hat. Jack's rocking the athletic tee. Arm showing us 
the polo and he's rocking the hat as well I'm, i'm packing right now go get yours in the episode description we will be back on monday with walker bueller that's jack arm and i'm peter and with that thank you everybody